We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast, where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media, including our Patreon account, where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, back from our little uh, break after the end of the regular season. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a bunch of different things, including the firing of Darius Swinton, including uh, Brandon Staley's first year, kind of wrapping up and putting a bow on the 2021 season. So really excited about that. Uh, I have a new microphone today, so hopefully it sounds different to you guys. It sounds different to me, so uh, that's always fun. Um, and joining me as always to do so are my guys Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Doing good. Just recorded an interview with Braden Foco, who was uh, generous with his time. So we um, thank him for that. And we're back from our long sabbatical of overthinking things and underthinking things. And we're ready, ready for the draft based on Twitter today. So uh, I'm excited to get going. Yeah, we've really done, uh, at least I have, you know, been diving into uh draft prospects and free agent stuff and you know tyler did uh tyler's been busy this weekend uh did a few different videos including a composite ranking uh video of a bunch of different free agents including you know free agent wide receivers running backs and tight ends so uh if you missed that please go check that out that being said tyler how you doing man i'm doing very well and thank you everyone who watched and liked and subscribed over the weekend i think the three videos combined have like 13,000 views or whatever. So I really appreciate that, guys. That helps pay for, you know, a gallon of gas <laughs> or something. So I appreciate that. As Alex said, though, we had that interview with Braden Fajoko. You guys are going to love it. It's one of the best things we've done on this channel. It's my personal favorite thing that we've ever done. Yeah, so that uh, video with Braden Fajoko is going to be dropping tomorrow. You won't want to miss it. Uh, we asked him about the Haunted Hotel in Cincinnati, the ping pong tournaments. Uh, we, vis- we revisited a bunch of different stuff. Uh, from this season you'll want to hear all of his thoughts there uh my favorite thing though we definitely uh you know had a great time analyzing some film and breaking down his perspective on certain things so uh really hope you enjoy that uh obviously we believe that it's going to be 
uh, well worth a watch. So before we get started tonight, uh, please, if you're listening to this, leave us a rating or review on the audio po- audio platform of your choice. Uh, those of you that are watching this, please like and subscribe to uh, the channel. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep pumping out some great content for the offseason. So uh, it's going to be great. That being said, uh, first things first, have to react to uh, the Chargers decision to fire special teams coordinator Darius Swinton. Uh, We, of course, did not get to uh, do a live uh, reaction or an immediate reaction, I should say, to the firing of Darius Swinton. Tyler did break it down a little bit all on his own. But, Alex, I want to get your thoughts here. What was your kind of first general thoughts on the decision to fire Darius Swinton uh, once Brandon Staley and the Chargers did decide to make that official? Uh, I was surprised at first just because I didn't expect it. I literally did a video 36 hours before. I was like, well, they're going to yeah. keep the coaching staff intact and uh, we're just going to move on from there. And then they didn't. Um, uh, as for whether it's the right or wrong decision, I think only time will tell there if Charter Special Teams gets better through the hiring of a new coach or doesn't. Uh, but to me, the Darius Wynn uh, firing was justified. I mean, geez, how many times did I list him as the dud of the week for like two or three weeks in a row there? Um, <laughs> that was a rough middle portion of the season before they got Andrew Roberts and Dustin Hopkins. I'll tell you that. Uh, just from the beginning of the season, to go with Tristan Viscaino, KJ Hill, and Ty Long from the outset as personnel. And I don't know how much sway Darius Swinton had in that and how much of that was Telesco and how much of that was Staley. But just from that, uh, from the jump, someone kind of had to fall on the sword for that and how bad special teams was from the beginning. Uh, And the Chargers decided that that should be Darius Swinton. They had trouble punting the ball all all year. um, And someone was talking about how they haven't allowed a kick return TD this season. Um, Guys, they're 29th in kick return uh, opponent yards. So, I mean, so they were close you, a few times. <laughs> they were close to giving up a big one a few times on both on punts and kick returns. Um, you know, Ty Long and the punting unit, unfortunately, had their troubles as well. And, you know, I do think the biggest boost they got were Andre Roberts and uh, Dustin Hopkins midseason, obviously, which brought them up a couple spots on special teams DVOA. Uh, and they finally had a legitimate kick returner and a legitimate NFL kicker, as opposed to some guy that Nick, Nick Novak did a couple Zoom sessions with. Uh, so, I mean, that was good uh, from from a professional football standpoint. But I think when you just look at everything that transpired during the season and we're talking about where the Chargers can get better and, you know, we hope that this is a playoff team next year it had to be special teams. And if Andre Roberts and Dustin Hopkins have already made it that much better, then if you get a guy who is a good special teams coordinator and gets the personnel that Brandon Staley and him want uh, for this unit, then you can see how the Chargers can go up from 28th or wherever they finish the season and special teams DVOA up pretty quickly. Um, and so I'm excited that they interviewed Thomas McGowey, who seems like a good candidate based on the experience he has. And we can dive more into that later, but I will not say whether the Darius Swinton decision was right or wrong because we won't know. But for me, based on what we went through this season with special teams, I think it was kind of justified. No, it was certainly justified. I will take it one step further and say it was the right thing. Now, we kind of have to guess here. We're not exactly sure what exactly happened. We're going to have to guess about some of these personal decisions. Um, The idea that Staley kind of let Swinton do his thing and have full final say on who these special teamers 
were and who could make the team is a little bit concerning. I know that like Brandon said, they wants to let special teams coordinator do his thing. But I think when it comes to some of the players that were lost, it just seems a little questionable. And Swinton, I'm sorry, my dog is barking, but it seems like Swinton just had this say that I'm surprised that he did because it really impacted the rest of the team. I mean, who were the two most prominent names, you know, that you were hearing about at the beginning of training camp in terms of offense, Tyron Johnson and also Austin Prohl. There was a clear plan from Joe Lombardi in this offense to get Tyron Johnson and Austin Prohl involved. And neither of them were able to keep a job on the team because Darius Winton thought that KJ Hill was the better fit for them. And I think that was honestly a disservice to Herbert Lombardi, this offense, because they could not stop throwing deep bombs to Tyron Johnson at the beginning of camp. Like every single day, there was one 60 yard bomb. It didn't matter what Staley was doing. Granted, it was like seven on seven, but still they could not stop throwing and, and, and keeping that chemistry that they had last year. And then Austin Prohl was their big yards after catch guy. They're going screen, you know, um, quick dump offs, moving around the formation. He was the guy that they were using to get involved very early on. And so I'm sure when Lombardi found out that his deep shot guy and his yards after catch guy were both being cut from the team, he's like, what the fuck, man? You know, and I think that was you know, part of the reason you know, that Swinton was let go. I think it was very obvious that they kind of went with what Swinton said and what Swinton said was wrong. I don't really fault him for going with Vizcaino. I think when you look at the entire you know, training camp, I believe their numbers were pretty similar, at least among yeah. Badgley and Vizcaino. And then with the guy with the stronger leg. And clearly, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, Staley's going for it more and fourth down when you know from wherever. So they just wanted the guy that could develop more with the stronger leg. So I don't really fault him for that. Um, but whatever this was, it was clearly, the decision was clearly made midpoint of the season first quarter of the season i don't know but certainly earlier than just like that final raiders game it wasn't just oh you know roberts let us down hopkins missed a kick gotta let him go we finished 29th in dvo or 28th in dvoa it really felt like something that was decided weeks and weeks ago rather than recently because they were a bad special teams unit until you brought in those two guys and no i do think they did improve under swinton in terms of kickoff return and kickoff coverage um but I think they just attribute, you know, too many of those mistakes early on in the year to Swinton, some bad personal decisions to Swinton. And then they just all the success they had on special teams. I think Steely just attributes that more to the players that they brought in. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's unfortunate he's let go, but there are also better options, I think, out there in terms of track record. There are better options as long as Steely does not go with McMahon from Denver, who's the only guy he really has ties with. Yeah, well, he's got some ties to the other coaches, too, I believe, just maybe not as extensive as McMahon. But um, I think this firing really comes down to, like you guys are saying, you know, talent evaluation, personnel decisions. And I would be surprised if, like, you know, Darius Winter had, like, you know, full autonomy to be like, hey, let's cut Tyron Johnson because he can't play special teams for me. But that certainly seems to be a factor, right? And that certainly seems that, you know, his ability to evaluate players was – you know, an issue. And, you know, the idea of Larry Roundtree returning kicks, like that's laughable. Like imagine, you know, a four, seven running back walking into new England and bill Belichick going, okay, there's our kick returner. Like that just doesn't happen for other issues. And I, I like Larry Roundtree and, you know, we'll see if he has an NFL future or not, but you know, it, it just like started off with such a weird vibe about everything. And then, you know, we hear and we see that, you know, special teams has such an emphasis on practice. And so it's like, okay, well, maybe they won't be as bad on special teams. And then they're awful out the gate. So I was surprised for sure. I did not think that Brandon Staley was going to make this kind of call after year one. Uh, 
um you know as thomas you know pointing out as brain foco as a lead blocker that's something that we actually talked about with Braden. so I, I hope you guys enjoy that uh tomorrow but you know just the the whole thing with darius swinton was was weird and you know his press conferences were a lot of fun i felt like i learned a lot you know he's got a great energy about him but just like the decision making at every single turn was was a little weird and you know you can go even to the houston game you know they decide to elevate michael bandy and maurice french as opposed to kj hill who was like that was darius's guy like he was who he wanted to be as the punt returner so the decision-making process there all throughout special teams and, and much like a bunch of other areas, uh, it was weird. And I think that ultimately is why, you know, Darius got fired. Cool. So um, as far as I know, the Chargers have only done one interview uh, and that's with, uh, remind me his name, Alex, you just mentioned him. I, I'm totally blanking right now. Thomas McGowhey, the former special teams coordinator for the Giants. Yeah, McGowhey, McGahey, I, I, I've seen it pronounced both ways, but um, special teams, former special teams coordinator of the Giants. Actually, I don't think he's been fired, has he? He's still their special teams coordinator, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I think technically until they get a new coach, he is much like, you know, when the Chargers had uh, their offensive and defensive coordinators yeah, yeah. last year until, you know, the new coach was hired. Yeah. So. Um, his resume looks really good. He was also a special teams coordinator back in Carolina under Ron Rivera. And I believe as an, in, as an assistant special teams coordinator in San Francisco uh, when Jim Harbaugh was there. So he's got a good resume. Of course, Tyler mentioned uh, Chris Tabor or Tabor, uh, the special teams coordinator from the Bears as another really good option. He's interviewing all over the place as well. So it seems like those two would be the leading candidates. Uh, Brandon Staley does not have ties to uh, McGahey or McGowdy or however you say it. Uh, he does have ties to Chris Tabor, though. They were both in Chicago together. Um, and he's he's the more experienced guy. Um, if they want to go that route, then I feel like they would probably would have to make him like associate head coach or something like that to really pry him away from Chicago. I know a lot of, a lot of media members in Chicago want them to uh, keep Tabor on staff. So uh, it seems like those two would be the leading candidates. And then unfortunately, Tyler mentioned uh, McMahon from Denver, who was the special teams coordinator with the Broncos when Brandon Staley was in Denver. Um, and I believe they have some other ties there as well, but uh, the Broncos were not good uh, under McMahon on special teams. So that would feel like a, a downgrade. Yeah, I hope they don't go that route. We saw firsthand them not be very good. That was the Andre Roberts kickoff yeah. return. That was the <laughs> right. left punt. So if you want that to be the Chargers next season, we could go sign him or go go hire him. But I hope they don't. And if Staley goes out and hires somebody who has been overseeing a special teams unit that has not been good the entire time he's been there, just because he knows the guy, then I'm going to have some serious questions about this coaching staff and their decisions moving forward. Yeah, I think you look at Thomas McGowhey, his resume um, dating back to when he was the uh, special teams coordinator in San Francisco. Then he goes to Carolina and pretty much every step he improved along the way. Uh, I think if you actually, you know, average his job since he took over full time in Carolina, basically his units were 10th place in the league uh, in those years, which I think is really impressive. And, you know, he kept developing a lot of those special teams guys. Uh, that you saw yeah. in Carolina, you know, as fixtures uh, like Graham Gano, who became like a, basically the best kicker in the league for a period of time. Uh, so I'm, you know, excited if they go in that direction. Um, 
really, I just hope they get the special teams coordinator higher right uh, because special teams can be the difference between them making and missing the playoffs next year yeah. and is, you know, a, a prime, should be a prime focus of this team. Um, and, you know, Darius Winton fell on the sword this year, so to speak, for the special teams unit's uh, lack of being good. Uh, but if the special team still isn't good next year and the Chargers don't make the playoffs again, I mean, Brandon Staley can be the one falling on that sword uh, when it's all said and done. So uh, I just hope that they get this right and that the Chargers are not terrible on punt coverage and get coverage. Yeah, I uh, they've got to fix the punting issue. And, you know, Ty Long has regressed pretty steadily since his first year in the league with the Chargers when uh you know, back in 2019, he was actually fifth in the league in yards per punt attempt. So uh, he was not fifth in the league this year for sure. Um, you know, and some of that we attributed to poor blocking last year and this year. Uh, but it seemed like even when the blocking improved, Ty Long was still struggling. So you know, I feel pretty confident that, you know, bringing Andre Roberts back and bringing Ty Long back would, you know, help whoever is the next special teams coordinator. Um but they've got to figure out whoever the next special teams coordinator is. They've got to figure out what to do with Ty Long, whether or not to release him outright. You know, he is a restricted free agent. So there's some major question marks there. I think at minimum, you would have to bring in some competition for him uh, because, I mean, he still seems like a talented guy, right? He, you know, he's been a captain. The team really likes him. Um, but you've got to bring in competition at minimum next year for Ty Long. I think you've got to bring in competition for everyone, too. I mean, that's also, I mean, look, that's what the Ravens do and why the Ravens yeah. have been good at special teams for as long as they do. As, as feeble as it seems, they bring in competition for Justin Tucker, you know, who's the best kicker in the league. Yeah. Um, they should bring in competition for Hopkins. They should bring in competition for Ty Long. They should bring in competition for Andre Roberts, as good as he was. Um, I mean, that's just kind of how iron sharpens iron, and you keep the special teams unit going in the right direction and, and keep it good. You know, I think one of the ways that we sort of fell into this hole was that we sort of just went, well, Michael Badgley's the guy in 2020 and no one really challenged him. And we sort of did the same thing with Ty Long going into 2021. Um, you know, other than Lachlan Edwards, who was cut very early on uh, in the training camp uh, cycle. So I'm, you know, hopeful that they get it right. Um, but it's going to take a lot of key decisions from, from week to week. And I do think they have to, eventually move on from Ty Long to find someone more experienced uh, or, you know, can at least have that upside. You know, a lot of people talk about uh, Ariaza and, you know, that could potentially be a solution going down the road in the draft. But um, yeah, I mean, they just need better punting. They need better punt coverage. They need better kick coverage. They, they basically need to fix like four of the other things out of the sure. two, yeah. <laughs> other than the two that they fixed during the season. So good job to fix those things and bring Hopkins and Roberts in. But yeah, as as uh, Staley is kind of basically foreshadowed with this firing, the jar, job is far from done. No, definitely far from done. Certainly on special teams. If they move on from Ty Long, like I know he's a captain on the team, but so was Hunter Henry. You know, and they clearly moved on from him. Right. So I think that you know it, it means something. It just doesn't. I just don't think it means that he's going to stick around. And if they bring back Hopkins, I do think they'll feel like they do have an established kicker at that point. I feel like some of the reason Ty Long could stick around is because he was an emergency kicker. He was a guy that could potentially fill in if they absolutely needed him to because Vizcaino was terrible or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, sure. At this point, now you have like someone like Hopkins, if they bring him back, who's more established. I think you feel good about him, so you don't necessarily need him. 
Um, but the Chargers just need a weapon at punter. They need someone who can change the field of position, who can, you know, pin teams, you know, just add another five yards of defense, really. Just give, you know, the defense just a little bit more to work with, maybe back them up a little bit more. Just didn't really feel like he did that very often this season. And I haven't seen him do that for a while. I don't really think he's done that since uh, the Chargers punters have done that since Kayser, really. Uh, it's unfortunate that he's gone. It's a whole other story. But um, yeah, they, they, they just need a weapon there. It, if it hang time, yes. Yards per punt, sure. But they also just need a weapon who can also pin it to the sideline. I think against maybe it was the Broncos. There, there was a punt that went like you're trying to get angle it, get it out of bounds. So it's not a touchback, but it's also not like a terrible punt. And he got it to the 19 out of bounds. Like you got to be a little bit better than that. The Chargers need someone who just can do a little bit more than what Long can do right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ross Ackerman asking about Matt Overton. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was actually looking at, you know, pro football focus grades and he's like the sixth or seventh highest graded long snapper. So. All right. There's that. Um, Somebody asked earlier because, you know, we were talking about this when it initially happened and uh, Alex brought up Joe judge. Uh, So (laughs) this is something that I know is going to be very polarizing. You know, I, I think it was pretty polarizing on Twitter. Uh, but Alex, make your case for Joe Judge, I guess, now, if you would like to. See, here's the thing. Joe Judge is an asshole, um, <laughs> but he can bring good results on special teams. Uh, he was there for the Patriots, the Giants. Uh, you know, a lot of people see these giant special teams, Luke's, and we, I was talking about this with Steven and just assume that they've been bottom of the barrel in the league, but they were actually 11th in special teams DVOA this year, despite not really having a ton of talent on that team. Uh, in terms of roster from top to bottom. So uh, I think he's done a good job. I don't know if he's going to take a, you know, head coach to special teams coordinator demotion. Granted, he shouldn't have really been given the promotion to head coach in the first place. Uh, But that's a topic for a whole other day. But I mean, he's kind of, you know, been the guy that's, you know, been fueling that Patriots special teams dominance. Uh, You can debate whether that's Belichick. I mean, obviously the Patriots haven't really fallen down too far special teams rankings, but uh, I think he did a really good job there. Uh, did an okay job with the Giants in that regard. Terrible at everything else. Bad head coach, <laughs> uh, but he's okay at doing that one thing. Now, if you want to go a little bit crazier here, you can say, or a little bit more crafty, I should say, you could say, well, we want to hire Joe Judge without the baggage, and that seems like it would be uh, Thomas McGowhey, who they uh, sort of interviewed. He's been the special teams coordinator heading up the Giants, and going back to those uh, Carolina teams that I talked about. So we'll see where that goes. Um, a lot of this stuff, as you know, we sort of saw with Staley in year one, is who you know. And if he knows McGowhey, he knows McGowhey and is kind of going to go with him. If he knows Tabor or McMahon, like Tyler's brought up, uh, he could go potentially with whoever he views as the best of those choices. Um, but if you're kind of looking for the best guy, I mean, it, it probably is Joe Judge sitting out there. Uh, but I also wouldn't mind a more low-key choice like McGowhey, who they interviewed. Yeah, I don't know if, like you said, Joe Judge is an asshole. I don't know if that will fly <laughs> in the locker room. I could fly in the Patriots locker room, I think, just because, not that they're assholes, but I feel like you can kind of get away with it with Bill Belichick and that sure. that sort of that <laughs> sort of room, if you will. Chargers, maybe not so much. My only other pitch for Joe Judge is that he would have ties to Gunnar Olszewski and Matthew Slater, who are both free agents. I'm not saying those guys are even going to leave the Patriots, but it's something to consider, considering the Chargers could be looking for more bodies to help upgrade their special teams. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Matthew Slater is probably the best special teams player of all time. I would think at least maybe not outside of Devin Hester, of course. I mean, like like the guys who do the covering part, but I don't know. Somebody, somebody smarter than me can can talk about that. Um, I, I just think that Joe Judge wouldn't be a culture fit with what, you know, Brandon Staley is doing. And, and you know, we don't know a ton. Obviously, we're all behind the scenes, right? But, I mean, the man got into two physical fistfights, supposedly, with uh, two offensive line coaches. I mean, there's players retiring. Like, I, I just feel like that, you know, Brandon Staley is is very much a forward thinker and Joe Judge is very much part of the old school football culture that I personally despise. So I don't know. I just don't feel like that would be a fit. I mean, it would be a a real like alteration from the path from Brandon Staley. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe, you know, they need some kind of balance there, but um, I just don't feel like it would be something that Brandon Staley would do. And I don't know if it's something that he should do, but like Alex said, very much into the idea of bringing in his uh, his version of himself without the baggage in in, in McGowie. Anyone? Bueller? I mean, it's Joe Judge. I, I no, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not inspired to talk a whole lot more about Joe Judge. Cool. Sounds good. So um, the other piece of news that we wanted to touch on are the uh, the Chargers got some All Pro nominations. Uh, Corey Lindsay, Rashawn Slater, and Andre Roberts, speaking of special teams, uh, were all voted to second team all pro, which I think uh, is about right for all three. Uh, we'll focus in on those three first and then potentially uh, the the big snub. But Tyler, what do you make of those three players making second team all pro? Great. That's awesome. I, I think Rashawn <laughs> Slater being there was kind of the most predictable. You want to see him first team. But I think everyone had him. You know, Trent Williams just had like the season of a season for any tackle. So there was kind of no chance at that point Slater was going to make first team. Uh, but Roberts being there is great. And unfortunately, like he deserved it right until that last game. And then he gets <laughs> voted second team all pro. And I know yeah. a lot of fans weren't super happy. Um, but, you know, great for everyone. This one's really about who's not on the list to me. Yeah, um, I, I think the guys who made it were good. Is Andre Roberts like the first player in NFL history who got cut and then still made the, the <laughs> All-Pro team? I, I I can't think of anyone else. Who's I would imagine taken... the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, I can't imagine another player who's taken that path. Maybe there's been a kicker who got cut or something and then made like 90% of the field goals the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, yeah, not not the usual path. Uh, obviously, I think Slater making it, it is very uh, positive, you know, step in the right direction. Uh, for you know this offensive line as a whole um of course yeah the, as Tyler said it was kind of good until it wasn't with Andre Roberts but I mean he did kind of get a touchdown the previous week and hadn't fumbled to that point so I'm not going to take it too much against him uh, although I will say the one thing on that play uh of course we didn't talk about this on the post game show but Tyron Johnson being the one to uh force the fumble is very uh yeah. full circle on this podcast the last five yeah. months uh so very fun times <laughs> but yeah no i mean i i think we should probably just get right into the guy that tyler said is uh, left off which is derwin james um you know he's sort of left off that field that they had there not uh i think he probably would have was he basically the last guy left off in terms of yeah votes? so he was there were two first pro first two first teamers and then three second team safeties and then derwin mm -hmm. was six he was i think he got two votes for first team um, yeah. But he was he was left off by by one selection. 
Yeah, I, I think it's tough. Um, I think that, you know, if you ask GMs, like, who are the five best safeties, then Derwin James certainly is in that discussion, right? Like, I think he's yeah. going to get in there just purely based on that. But all pro is a little bit tough because it's going to be somewhat about stat accumulation and which guys had the most picks in that regard. Um, and the thing that's charger specific to this is that the chargers did have a really bad defense, right? So, I mean, you're not going to yeah. have a ton of guys that are going to make the all pro team on the de- on defense that was really bad um, and is viewed that way around the league. So I do think Derwin on his individual basis should have made it, but I can kind of see why the voters didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Derwin James, and uh, apparently he's overrated because he can't stay healthy, which I think is a ridiculous sentiment. Um, You know, Derwin James is, to me, the most valuable back seven player in the league. I mean, you look at all the different things that he does for this team. He was pretty much the second most effective pass rusher on the team. He was the second most effective cover player. He has free safety range. He can play in the box, play like a linebacker. So, You know, at one point in the season, Brandon Staley was saying that he was playing like six positions for the Chargers and he was calling plays for them. So uh, the the idea that somebody would say that Derwin James is overrated is laughable. Um, He absolutely deserved to be all pro, in my opinion. Um, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, really good players. And I feel like, you know, Alex is saying the opposite applies to them. Like the, the Bills defense was amazing, outstanding this year. And so I feel like, you know, you're looking at probably Micah Hyde versus Derwin James, and a lot of voters probably said, okay, the Bills defense is fantastic, Chargers defense is bad. So that's probably the thought process there. And like Alex said, I, I can believe that. But um, there's there's not five safeties in the league better better than Derwin James, man. And we saw that come to fruition this year. And um, I know he's he still had like the minor hamstring issue this year, but You know, he just is one of the best football players that I've ever seen play, and he is fantastic. I can't wait to see what uh, next season looks like for him when the defense isn't bad. (laughs) Hopefully, Yeah, defense not being bad would be great for him. I also think him just playing more deep safety rather than hanging around the box like in Gus Bradley's scheme. You just you make less tackles, you force less fumbles, you might rush the passer less. But still, the the, the notion that Derwin James is overrated is absolutely ridiculous. the guy did everything for this defense. I mean, he's the guy who picked off Derek Carwin. You know, he was in coverage in Darren Waller. He's the guy who forced yeah. the fumble against Drew Locke and the Broncos. He's the guy at some point in every game. It was like, oh, there's the Derwin James play where he would just change the game. You know, and like you said, he's probably arguably their second best pass rusher. It's still in Mosu, but it's really close. Like every time Derwin <laughs> James rushed the passer, he was, yeah. I mean, he killed Drew Locke in that second Broncos game and got a roughing the passer for it but yeah. he killed him. And there's just not a lot of players like that on this team that do that. And Derwin James doing that, being the DB that he is, could be a linebacker. He could really play anything outside, inside corner. Just a phenomenal player. And I wish he had been voted all pro, but you know, missed a couple of games on a bad defense, playing a little bit more deep. He missed it. It's unfortunate, but you know, if he stays healthy next year, I don't see why he wouldn't be, as long as the defense gets a little bit better. Yeah. But um, I, I just I don't really buy that there are five other safeties that are better than him this year. No, I think like we like you're saying, it's just Chargers defense was not good enough. And, you know, that sucks. But, you know, the Chargers offense had a, it was a top five offense. And I, I thought Justin Herbert had a chance to make it. Um, I'm OK with who they selected, but 
Um, I mean, you get Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley. The fact that the Chargers had, you know, two all pro offensive linemen is just crazy to me, given how bad of a unit I had to watch all freaking season last year. Um, you know, but Rashawn and Corey Lindsay, man, they were just, they were so good all season long and, uh, really proud of those guys. Happy for, uh, thank you for blocking that person. Um, just really happy about those two players and, uh, can't wait to see what comes next for them. So that being said, let's dive into the, uh, question of the day that we wanted to specifically highlight. And that is Brandon Staley year one success or failure. Um, this is something that I feel like a lot of people were talking about on Twitter over the last week. Brandon Staley has caught a ton of heat on so, on social media and in the national media, on TV shows, uh, because of the way the season ended. And I think the three of us have always been good at kind of taking a step back and looking at the big picture here. Uh, and so that's part of the reason why we wanted to wait a week to have this conversation. Uh, but Alex, what are your thoughts here? in terms of Brandon Sadie's first season, obviously nine and eight. Uh, I think we probably would have been okay with that record four months ago, but obviously there were a lot of different ways to get to that nine and eight record. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Success or failure? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it depends on how you quantify success or failure. I want to start out by saying, uh, I, I forget what it was that Yahoo clown, Charles Robinson or whatever. And they did that podcast yeah. where they called Staley the worst oh. first year hire that wasn't Urban Meyer. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we doing? David, David Cully just got fired. Like all these dudes got <laughs> fired in their first or their second years. And we're calling Staley like the worst thing. Um, I don't know. I think there was obviously a lot of, uh, uh, oh. yeah i can't hear you can you hear him tyler sorry unmuted now uh there you go well yeah no i think there was a lot of polarization after the raiders game and everyone just jumping to hot takes that staley was the worst head coach uh that there's ever been and i don't agree with that in any way um it you know is was this year a success or a failure i think you have to kind of qualify it as a success in the sense that they improved from what they were last year right they were playing meaningful football in december and january last year they were not playing meaningful football um they had the development from justin herbert they had the development of this offense uh that you know did improve under joe lombardi as much heat as joe lombardi still somehow caught in december and january uh and throughout the entire season he did pretty well um, I think that there, there are obviously sore spots on this team. We just talked about special teams and that resulting in the firing of Darius Swindon. We talked about the defense ad nauseum and the fact that they this defense probably cost Derwin James an all-pro nomination, even though he should have been there. Um, and so there are things to improve with this team as well. But uh, I just think that the Staley hate train, if you will, has become very popular after the Raiders game and people just on its face said, well, it should be better. Um, and uh, I think whether the season is a success or failure too also kind of depends on next year. If you, we fast forward and we're in a time machine and you say, hey, special teams improved from 28th to 18th and you know the defense is now a legitimate top 10 to top 15 defense in the league, and they went out and spent this money and went all in, then I think we're talking about the Chargers almost certain as a playoff team. Uh, and so that would be, you know, a quantifiable 
success going forward. Um, it, it's just weird to me how much people really judge whether it's a success or failure based on that last game and whether you make the playoffs where I think we all have to take a step back is uh, I just watched the Eagles this weekend and I, I will tell you that the Eagles, they made the playoffs. They're not as good as the chargers. Um, <laughs> and I had to watch four quarters of them. So whether or not they make the playoffs is so much about schedule who's in your conference. And to me, you know, I don't think it's fair to say that the chargers uh, weren't a playoff team. I mean, they weren't, but were they really worse than the Steelers? No, because they beat the Steelers and the Steelers got in because they tied the Lions two months ago. Um, so the Chargers were in those top seven teams in the AFC. Um, I think that's a fair thing to say. And they were better than some of the teams that we saw in this playoff cycle. Um, and that is the highs of the Chargers and the lows are the things that need to be corrected, right? Uh, and we'll talk about those things all off season and whether or not we think They'll actually improve based on the moves that they make. Uh, but for me, it kind of has to be a success. Um, I think he's changed the culture. The players respect him. Uh, and we'll see how things go going forward. I know uh, one of our takes was that, you know, <laughs> especially coming off the game, was that this was same old Chargers. You know, Tyler pointed out the records of Mike McCoy and Anthony Lynn and Brian Saley in their first years. Yeah. Um, but this still does feel different, um, you know, Anthony Lynn kind of rebounded from this 0-4 hole that he dug himself in and then got to 9-7 and and then led that momentum into 2018. And I sort of feel like a similar thing will happen this year. The Chargers were playing meaningful football in January. They'll carry that into next year. We just talked to Braden Fajoko, who just said, you know, they're hungry to get back in there um, and, you know, show what they kind of have been working on and they're going to work all offseason and try to get there. Um you know, so I think it's obviously disappointing they didn't make the playoffs, but going forward, I think you kind of have to quantify it as a success. Yeah, watch me not. So I uh <laughs> Wow, I'm, sur- I'm actually surprised yeah, by this. No. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's not that I'm not acknowledging all the good things that are happening. I think there are a few people who pointed out how successful those offense was more than me. I tried my best to quantify in every way possible how successful the offense was and all the good things were happening. I think this was a successful first step forward. I just think as a whole and an individual season, I actually quantify this one as a failure. And I do think not making the playoffs is a failure. Is it better record than last year? Yes, but they absolutely could have made the postseason this year. And part of that starts with the embarrassing losses to the Texans. And arguably that last one against the Raiders, but they, they really shouldn't. I mean, it shouldn't have come down to that last game as it is, but they lost the Houston Texans in a very embarrassing kind of fashion. That's one of the most embarrassing losses I've seen in a while. And that includes that Mike McCoy, Cleveland Browns loss. And so when you have something like that, that makes me really question the coaching staff and their ability to maybe get their guys ready or whatever. Eckler talked about leadership and stepping up and how it's hard for guys to do that. I think that's kind of concerning. Um, the defense, unfortunately, was kind of hot garbage. I mean, they were awful on third down. They were one of the most penalized defenses in the league, particularly when it came to defensive holding and defensive pass interference. And they're one of the worst tackling teams in the league. That's bad. That's bad fundamentals. Um, you see regression from two of your biggest defensive investments, one being Michael Davis with that contract, another being Kenneth Murray, your first-round pick who you've moved up for. Both those guys regressed in kind of a big way could say that's injury possibly but you know both guys just did not come to ball this year um the personnel decisions are super questionable starting with a tyron johnson for example 
and all the way to Kenneth Murray and the press conferences where where Staley's saying, yep, Kenneth Murray is our best coverage linebacker, man coverage linebacker or whatever, and him putting you know Murray on the field over pending free agent Kaiser White, basically telling Kaiser White that he's the 1B of this defense because Kenneth Murray is a better third down linebacker than him was super questionable. And there's a couple times this season where Staley will get on the mic and do his press conference and we're sitting there going, how the hell can you say that? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Kenneth Murray being the most obvious one. Or like, hey, I'm going to get Braden Fajoko more snaps. He brings, I'm looking for energy. He brings a great energy. I want to get him more snaps. And then it never really happens. Um, and there's the special teams higher. So two out of three of the phases of football for this team were not good. You know, the special teams higher was obviously a failure. They fired Swinson after one season. We just talked about it. And so, you know, I see all the success. I think Staley is the right coach for this team. I think his plan moving forward, like when they do address the defense, I think we're going to say that, hell yeah, next year is going to be a success unless you're Super Bowl or bust. But I still think it was a failure because two out of three phases of the football were not good. And and the defensive side regressed. Uh, I'm glad the offense looks great. And that's where they allocated most of their resources. So that makes sense. You know, I think there are many, many positive steps forward, but I think when you have embarrassing losses, your defense regresses and looks terrible. Special teams are still the same problem. You still have personal decisions that I, I question that we've questioned from day one all the way till 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 late. I, I still think it's a failure, but I'm very positive about the future. All right. I uh, I guess I can understand that one for sure. Um, I, I'm going to say success, just not like super confidently. <laughs> and I think Alex is, is kind of in that same boat too. Like, obviously this was not a resounding success, you know, make it the playoffs, winning a playoff game. Like that's the resounding success that obviously we're hoping for. But, you know, Brand, one of the things that Brandon Staley mentioned at his uh, season ending press conference was, you know, they really headed into the off season together with Tom Telesco with the primary mission of, of supporting Justin Herbert at a higher level and really fixing the offense. And so obviously that's why, you know, they were able to, you know, draft Rashawn Slater, sign Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, Ode Abushi, Jared Cook, you know, and talk about how effective the Jared Cook signing was, but um, you know, they, they do all these things. You draft Josh Palmer, you draft Trey McKitty, like that clearly was the focus of the off season. And, you know, we all were hoping from, obviously higher levels of development from people like Kenneth Murray and Michael Davis and Jerry Tillery. And we didn't get that, but we did get the Kaiser white development. We did get Justin Jones playing at his highest level. In my opinion, um, obviously you had the return of Derwin James Nasir Adderley took a step forward. Oh, Gilman took a step forward. So I think, you know, it's a success, but marginally, right. I, I think for it to be a resounding failure, it would have taken, you know, a seven and 10 season or something like that. And you're not improving in the wind column at all from last year. Um, but I, I think Brandon Staley is fine. And I agree with Alex. The hate over the last couple of weeks has been ridiculous for me, particularly the fourth down conversations are insane because nobody talks about, <laughs> nobody talks about Kevin Stefanski being the most aggressive coach in the league with Baker fucking Mayfield as his quarterback and throwing with a broken shoulder and that's totally okay you know that's who kevin stefanski is he's the aggressive guy but you know brandon staley being aggressive with justin herbert is like this guy's a bum like he deserves to be fired so the national media narratives around brandon staley have been ridiculous i think the chargers future is still very bright i still believe that brandon staley uh is the right man for this position i just think there are definitely things that he needs to improve upon you know like the personnel decisions and like 
you know, realizing which players are actually his best players. Cause we, you know, we heard from, you know, Ryan Dyer and a bunch of Rams people that that was like, that was his thing, you know, playing Jordan Fuller, a six round draft pick over, uh, what's his name? Caleb Rapp, who was a second round draft pick. Like that was his thing, right? Like playing the better players and not caring about draft position. And then this year it's a bunch of Jerry Tillery, a bunch of Kenneth Murray. So I think Brandon Slay, there are definitely things that he can improve upon. But at the end of the day, we expected some growing pains, and that's what we got. And they still got to nine and eight. They still got to meaningful football in December, January. So I think I'm leaning towards success, but I can I could totally understand why somebody would say failure. People saying outright failure and he deserves to be fired are crazy. But I can definitely see where Tyler is coming from. Yeah, I mean, I'm just surprised I'm not the one saying failure on this podcast. <laughs> uh, it would make sense. Uh I think if you asked me after the Texans game immediately <laughs> whether Brandon <laughs> Staley's first season was a success or failure, sure. um, you know, maybe my answer would be different. But, you know, they did get kind of things to break for them. They do get that Broncos win and end up playing the Raiders in that game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. For me, I guess judging year one is a little bit different for me with coaches than judging, you know, some of the guys who are veterans around the league. For me, it's more about are we heading in the right direction? And for me, I think if the answer is yes, and you are still confident with Brandon Staley going forward, then I do think it was a success. If you're not confident with Brandon Staley going forward and you think he should be fired, then it would be a failure. So, I sort of get where Tyler's coming from with the idea that for the single season, you know, it, it was a failure based on where we ended up raising our expectations to based on how they played in those first uh, five, six weeks. Um, but overall, I do, I would have to say success based on where we think they're going now. If special teams is still bad next year and they spend $80 million and defense is still bad. Uh, then we're going to be leaning very much closer to failure come next December and January uh, when we do this podcast again about Brandon Staley's year two. Uh, but for the time being, I do have to say it ultimately was a success. Yeah, no, I think that is really spot on, Alex. And I think a lot of times we look at football as, you know, X plus Y equals playoffs or equals contender, right? And so just because you do hire the right coach doesn't necessarily mean like immediately you're going to be this amazing team. And I think that's really frustrating. Like it sucks that the Chargers didn't make the playoffs, but I think, you know, having that big picture and realizing that football is not linear, that this is a process and, you know, hopefully one of the Chargers can get right this offseason. I think that's, that's really spot on. And, you know, I'm a little bit fortunate that maybe we, we didn't get blown out by 30 by the Bills. Because uh, based on how this team was yeah. playing those last couple of weeks, that might have happened. I think that the Bills offense would have destroyed the Chargers defense. I think that I'm pretty sure that our offense would have been able to put up more of a fight than the Patriots offense did. Um, but I uh, do not envy uh, the Patriots for having to play in that game and specifically the weather in that game. Uh, you know, I saw pictures of people in like snow boots and like 18 layers and like, oh man, Buffalo in January sounds awful. But, um, again, obviously you like to get in the dance and, and hopefully, uh, get some luck thrown your way. So obviously the chargers have a very important off season. We said last week that this is the most important off season, uh, in franchise history, at least in, in our lives. So Tyler, uh, how do the chargers go about, obviously, you know, we haven't 
done a ton of draft homework or free agency homework and stuff like that. Uh, but how do the Chargers go about making sure that next year is a success in Brandon Staley's second season? And this is kind of uh, addressing Matt's question earlier about expectations for you two. Just wanted to give a shout out to Matt quickly uh, for the super chat uh, before Tyler jumped in here. For them to be at least more successful on defense, they need to find somebody who can take the football away. I think part of the discussion that we were having early in the season was, you know, if this offense is so good, why aren't they scoring more points? Well, they don't have enough drives. I mean, if people were watching the Bengals game and watching the Bengals just roll down on the Raiders, and they're saying, oh, why couldn't our offense do that? Well, they did in the first half. They had legit three legitimate possessions, and they scored on two of them, scored touchdowns on two. It was punt, yeah. touchdown, touchdown, and then a 37-second drive which is like, you hope you can get something going, you know, but the Chargers just have not had enough opportunities to, to score. And I think the Chiefs, as much as I think their defense is completely overrated, maybe the numbers are different. I don't know, but they seem to take the ball away more or just get very lucky because offenses make dumb mistakes and they get Patrick Holmes, you know, one more attempt, two more attempts at, at scoring and it works out. So I need them to find somebody who can generate turnovers. I think of like when Desmond King was at his prime, he was the guy who was picking off Russell Wilson, picking off Dak Prescott for a touchdown. You know, he was just a very good slot corner that was, you know, able to capitalize on some bad throws or make good plays and create some turnovers for this defense. And, you know, Chris Harris Jr. had, what, one interception? That was kind of a gimme, I think. Um, Nasir Adderley had plenty of opportunities. Not, I'm not saying replace Nasir Adderley, but he had plenty of opportunities. He didn't come down with them. Derwin James, plenty of opportunities. Didn't exactly come down with them. You know, and, and maybe that's just you know, luck, you know, I think at some point, you know, re re you return to being able to catch more of those easy interceptions, but this year they just didn't. So I think finding someone who can help them turn the ball over or get off the field on third down. I'm looking, I'm looking for DB at this point. I went through cause I'm a dork and I looked at all the third down conversions that every offense had this year for the, against the chargers. And, you know, as much as we want to talk about the chargers need to shore up their run defense, you know, still 60% of the third down conversions that teams had were through the air were through passing the football and that's not counting scrambles. So they need to find someone who can help take the ball away. You know, if it's a slot corner, if it's moving Asante Samuel Jr. inside, finding an outside corner, just someone who can get their hands on the football, give Justin Herbert a few more drives and help get this defense off the field on third down. Yeah, um, I mean, I think going talking about CB is definitely important because I think a lot of the focus is on run defense, and that's what the national media talks about all the time. Um, yeah. So I think pointing out the fact that the Chargers probably could use a little, a few more bodies that aren't named Chris Harris Jr. Um, in their <laughs> secondary would, would be helpful uh, in terms of both stopping the run uh, and you know taking the ball away, like Tyler said. Um, for me, the focus on the defense this offseason, though is the run defense um like you just can't be what they were i mean against the raiders uh in that fourth quarter overtime period where it just became clear that they were gassed uh and they were giving up 20 yard runs uh you know most of overtime and brandon staley made the perfect defensive arrangement and was like all right here you guys go here's the thing the best run defense the chargers have is still bad um and so yeah. I think going forward, um, you kind of got to look into blowing it up. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, whether that means letting Linval Joseph walk, uh, re-signing Justin Jones, it, you know, getting Akeem Hicks from Chicago or taking Jordan Davis in the draft like Mel Kuyper did today uh, in his first mock. That could be a lot of different directions uh, when you look at what blowing up the, the interior defensive line specifically looks like. But 
I do think it needs to be a lot better than it is right now. Um, and then you sort of go out from there. Uh, I mean, the linebackers, um, what are we doing? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Uh, I think for the offseason as well, is Kaiser White going to be the guy who kind of returns after his great season um, and gets paid in free agency? And then what do you do with Kenneth Murray? Uh, what do you do with Drew Tranquil, right? Um, I think there are some really pivotal questions in that linebacker room that do need to be answered. Um, but really, I mean, as far as the defense, it is a talent infusion uh, along every part of the defense, yeah. uh, really, and also shoring up depth. So that when you, you know, lose someone for a game, it is not the end of the world. Uh, but, you know, whenever the Chargers didn't have Derwin James on the field, whenever they didn't have Joey Bosa on the field for any period of time, it looked like really bad um so you know obviously those players are really good and help the chargers you know um immeasurably like it's it's hard to even measure it but i mean this defense just kind of curled into a ball whenever those two weren't on the field and so i think we saw that for most of the season we saw how the linebackers played in that final game in vegas when kaiser had his you know lowest percentage of snaps uh, over the season when we saw how kenneth murray played so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think there's a lot to talk about also on the offensive end to see, you know, who the Chargers decide to sign and re-sign uh, in terms of free agents, right? I mean, Mike Williams is probably the overall biggest decision of the offseason, and we haven't even gotten to him yet. But uh, I'm focused on giving this defense a huge talent infusion and go from there because I do think once you fix the defense, uh, things will click a lot more with Staley and I think the overall Chargers fan base will be a lot more positive on him as a whole. Uh, but until you fix the defense, it does just kind of sound like a lot of talk to some Chargers fans. And I think that's a fair point. Yeah. I think that's a fair point as well. And, you know, you and, uh, you know, Kevin Kernick asked a, a super chat question earlier about, you know, not really being able to implement about Brandon Staley, not really being able to implement his vision for this team. And, and I certainly think that's part of it. You know, really the only free agent additions to this defense last year were Kyler Fackrell and Christian Covington. So um, I, I fully expect, you know, the defense to be the focus of at least free agency outside of re-signing Mike Williams. Uh, as Brandon Staley said, you know, last year they focused in on the offensive line and this year they need to complete the other half of being a, a trench team. Uh, and that involves the defense. And so I think you guys hit on it. I think, also, the like the pass rush, you know, they've got a very difficult decision there along with linebacker like Alex was talking about because I think Kaiser White, Anichena, and Wosu are very solid players, but are they good enough to carry the units behind them and stuff like that? And so, I mean, you look at Kyler Fackerel probably didn't have a great season or at least definitely didn't have a, a season that they were hoping for, but he's, he's a solid veteran, but I think they have to upgrade the pass rush in a way that also involves bringing Uchenna Onwosu back because I think he was so good down the stretch for them. So I'm curious to see how they go about doing that and whether that's signing like a, a Vaughn Miller or a Jadavian Clowney for like a one-year veteran deal. You know, I think I would be in favor of that, but you know, everything works together on defense, right? Like if you have a bad secondary and a bad pass rush, like they both expose each other, right? And so, you know, the great way of helping a, a, a poor secondary is having a great pass rush and vice versa. So 
I think they have some tough conversations. I think that everybody is kind of assuming that Kaiser White and Uchenna and Wosu are back, but you know, does Brandon Staley look at, Hey, I, I spent this amazing year with Vaughn Miller. He had an awesome year uh, across the locker room. Maybe we throw him a, a two year bag and, and replace Uchenna and Wosu. So I think how they go about giving Joey Bosa more help is something that's kind of not being discussed as much as it should. Maybe they decide to invest the first round pick in an edge rusher this year, as opposed to, you know, drafting a Jordan Davis or drafting a tackle, like everybody kind of seems to be the consensus. So um, I think the pass rush needs to be ramped up. And I think the whole defense needs to be ramped up. And I think that obviously is going to be the focus of free agency this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Echen and Wosu, it's so tough. I'm glad he had that last game against the Raiders because right up until then, we were a little bit concerned about what, you know, where he was headed with this team because it was like seven pressures against the Bengals and two sacks. And then it was one pressure, one pressure, and then a great game against the Chiefs. And then it was one pressure, one pressure, and then a yeah. great game against the Raiders. You know, it's, it's a bit streaky. It, it's tough to evaluate where this Ed Rusher group needs to be because you're trying to project where they're going to be if you retain these guys. But is that enough? Is the Chen and Mosu taking the next, next step enough? Will he take the next step? I talked to Gavino from Chargers Wire about this. You know, I, I think he can. I, I think he deserves to return. But he's not really like a, a true, legitimate, insanely good pass rusher opposite Joey Bosa. I think he's always going to be a very high-end two who can have some one games. Um, but then Chris Rumpf as well, you know, is he really a, an edge three next year? I don't think he's quite there yet. I don't yeah. think he's going to ever. A lot of people are going to project him as, oh, this is the guy that takes the leap for it this year. But like, I don't really buy that based on what, I mean, he, he just wasn't very productive. He can get better. Like, I think absolutely he can get better. But I don't know if I trust him. So at what point do you address Ed Rusher in this, in, in this class? Because, you know, they have in Wosu, they had Bosa. I think that's a fine tandem. Um, but behind them, Fackerel and Rumpf, their biggest free agent acquisition Ed Rusher and their their first Ed Rusher taken in the draft, they combined for 16 pressures. And that's not good enough. You can't have, you know, Bosa and Wosu be a, a solid tandem, take them off the field, and then you have 16 pressures worth in 17 games. They didn't play 17 games total, or each, they didn't each played 17 games, but 16 total pressures is not enough. And then the other option was to go with Kenneth Murray, which was awful. So they need it's going to be very, very tricky for them to evaluate you know, where Rosu's at, where Rumpf is at, because I could see them just going with those same guys again. I could also see them just moving on and trying to you know, infuse higher and maybe more proven talent. Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest things, rather than any specific move that they can do in free agency in the draft, is just really evaluate all the players you have on the roster and have a plan for each of them. Because, like, uh, I mean, we've talked about it with Kenneth Murray sort of ad nauseum where it's like, well, sometimes he'll be edge and sometimes he'll be linebacker. And, you know, we just sort of went back and forth on that all season based on what the team's needs were, which probably negatively affected his development um, and, and quite a few, you know, noticeable ways. Uh, so I think in that sense, uh, for the rest of the team, including Kenneth Murray going forward, if he is going to be a charger, um, I, I think that they just kind of have to get the vision because they have it for some of the players. Obviously they know uh, what they want out of Justin Herbert. They know what they want out of Mike Williams on offense. They know what they want out of somebody like Austin Eckler, but on the defense, it just seems to be such a mixed bag in terms of what they want from some of these supplementary players 
um, as well as their starters. Um, so I think that's a problem as well, right? Um, we talked a little bit about Derwin James and the fact that he's playing deep all the time and sort of not accumulating those stats that maybe he would need for an all-pro selection. Like the fact that you could get more exotic with Derwin and have him play a little bit less vanilla if you get more talent on that defense, that's something that I think should be very appealing for Chargers fans. And the fact that you could have more of those Derwin James, Nasir Adderley blitzes um, that really kind of light yeah. up the screen, or you could have him doing some more of those energetic things. Um, I would just love to see every player kind of being used at their peak. Obviously, that's you know incumbent on the player to obviously improve, but I do think you have to see a plan for each player. And we sort of saw last offseason where it's like, oh, Tyron Johnson, here he comes, wide receiver three. Uh, he's got, and, you know, we talked about the roller coaster of Kenneth Murray, um, yeah. where it's just like from training camp to completion of the season, obviously it doesn't always go that way with certain players. I would just like to see a clearer vision of where they see these players. And that also goes for the players that they will sign in free agency and will uh, draft as well. Yeah, I, uh, I would love to really know what Kenneth Murray is on this team because in the past six weeks we've heard that we've always thought that he was a hybrid player and he's only an off-ball linebacker so I mean I don't really know like right now still fresh off the season I'm not like I'm not super excited about Kenneth Murray but I mean maybe I go back and watch the film in a couple months and maybe I do get re-excited again I don't really know but I, I won't be, I'm just I, like, I don't know like what their plan is and like the way that they handled it this year really just like, I don't know. Cause if he had played linebacker only and struggled, I think that would be one thing. But the fact that they were like, he's an edge rusher, he's a hybrid, he's a linebacker and didn't work like anywhere. Like it just, it, it's, it's a, the linebacker situation this year is going to be tough because I think Kaiser White is a high-end linebacker, too. I think he's fantastic. I think he played very, very well this year. But he's not like a Demario Davis, a Levante David, a Bobby Wagner. And I think that's fair to say. Do you need one in this scheme? Like, do you need that to happen? Like, what happens if you if Kaiser White walks and you your two options are Drew Tranquil, who's probably like a low end number two and Kenneth Murray, who has been incredibly shaky. So I, I think linebacker, everybody kind of just assumes that Kaiser White is coming back. I think that's not 100% guaranteed. I think a team that's very bad, like the Jacksonville Jaguars or something like that would throw him, you know, 13, $14 million and just say, Hey, like come be a linebacker too on our team. Like, I don't know. The linebacker conversation, I feel like, is not getting enough love or at least attention. Everybody keeps asking me about Devin Lloyd or asking me about Nicobe Dean. I feel like drafting a linebacker two years, two of the last three years is probably poor roster building. Um, but I feel like they do need to upgrade that spot as well. But uh, baby steps, I guess, because they need to upgrade every single spot in, on the defense, it seems like. Yeah, I'll also just be curious to see, um, you know, people talk about, like, trade Kenneth Murray or trade Jerry Tillery or, you know, all these kind of things. And I don't think either of those actually happen. But if the Chargers were to kind of ship out guys that they don't quite view as a scheme fit, either through letting them walk in free agency or acquiring a pick for them, 
Um, I'd be very interested to see sort of who those players are going forward and what they end up doing with their capital to uh, replace them. And that obviously I think kind of brings us to somebody like Linval Joseph, who uh, was sort of brought in to be that Gus Bradley 4-3 prototypical nose tackle. And now he's playing in a 3-4 system where he might be able to fit, but the Chargers run defense was bad this year anyway. And he's kind of going on 35 so do the Chargers decide to kind of make a decision there and go, hey, we're going to blow up the defensive line, like we said, and potentially move on from somebody like Linval Joseph. So um, I think this is probably going to be the biggest year to year turnover we see in the Brandon Staley era yeah. uh, of, the, of the Chargers. And uh, I'll just be very curious to see which guys they feel the need to let go of and which guys they have priority on keeping. And I think that very much starts on the defense with the numerous uh, free agents, internal free agents that we've talked about this year. Yeah, I mean, and like Stephen said, that Mike Williams decision is huge because you you retain him, tag, extension, whatever, and that could push someone like a Kaiser White off the roster. I am very curious to see what they do with Kaiser White because I completely was on board and understood them re-signing him. He's their linebacker one. He's their best linebacker. Deserves to be on the field. Played like he could have been an all-pro or Pro Bowl guy. And then he's off the field uh, in that final game. Yeah. And it's like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a very sneaky need for them. It's funny you, that you say that no one's talking about the linebacker position. Because Gavino, we were talking, we said the same thing, or he said the same thing, that he feels linebacker's a sneaky need too. So... Very interesting conversation they had because I don't know. The other problem is I feel like they just don't understand what what the hell do I know? But them going with Murray over White or like an yeah. Ogbong Lamiga over Neiman, it just feels I don't know. Like that that just kind of rubs me the wrong way the way they've evaluated their linebacker room uh, towards the end of the year. So yeah, it's a very interesting conversation. I guess we'll see what they do. Yeah, and like I mean, if you bring back Kaiser White, like that's your room. You're maybe drafting another linebacker later on to bring in some competition for Neiman and Ogbong Mamiga. But you know, if they bring back Kaiser White, like that's the room. Those are the five. So you know, it, it just is going to be an interesting thing. Um, anything on the offensive side of the ball that I think, um, obviously, everybody wants to figure out what they're doing with Mike Williams, but. You know, I, I really think this team needs to bring in a yards after catch threat, a better yards after catch threat. And, and Tyler mentioned uh, David Njoku in his video. That certainly could be an option, I think, would bring, you know, an element of explosiveness that they don't have right now. Um, you know, I'm right now, I'm not into drafting, uh, into the idea of drafting a receiver in the first two rounds, but that could possibly change depending on, uh, what happens in free agency, but I, I think this team does need a, a bigger element of explosiveness on offense. Obviously they have to figure out the right tackle situation. Uh, but for the most part, I feel like the offense is set. I feel like the continuity of scheme and players around Justin Herbert is probably the way to go right now. Um, and with that, you know, second year in the system should uh, definitely do them well, but I do think they need to get uh, just a tad more explosive on offense. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things to kind of look into what the Chargers are going to be doing is the running backs, because um, Justin Jackson is now a free agent, uh, and you have Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly, who alternated healthy scratches uh, during the season. So do they trust one of those guys to actually compete for RB2, or are they going to bring in potentially another body of more experience back uh, or draft one again? 
Uh, so I'll be curious. <laughs> three years in a row. Let's run three, it back. <laughs> three years in a row. We haven't learned our lesson and we never will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll be, I'll be curious to see what they do there just because I think that Justin Jackson down the stretch showed what he can do as an RB2 and showed how important in general RB2 is to this team uh, when they do get explosive plays out of him uh, or potentially somebody else that they'll sign in free agency. So uh, I think that's going to be very good to take the focus off of Eckler a little bit and take some of the stress off of him because he was certainly feeling that for those first 12 or 13 games. Yeah. All right, let's let's put a bow on this conversation. Uh, I want you guys to each rank uh, your top three positions of need heading into the offseason. Uh, Tyler, we'll start with you. Dear God. Um, I'm still going to say right tackle because I think there's a world where you can convince yourself that the DV room is sort of more fixable. Like if you get Michael Davis and he's not healthy and off of COVID – that could be a better CB1 and Santa Sam Jr. could be CB2. And you could maybe sign a slot corner and I think you're okay. Whereas right tackle, I mean, Storm Norton is the worst tackle in the league last year in terms of pressures allowed. And there's kind of no alternative on the roster unless you think Trey Pipkins is going to be your starter, which I pray to God that they don't. So to me, I think right tackle is still the most important thing and something that the Chargers don't really do in year two and three of the new coaches, you know, tenures is that they you know they go a lot more line in year one and then they kind of just drift away from addressing the line like very significantly in the subsequent years and that's kind of why they get a little bit worse and they kind of just we're always looking for another offensive lineman so i think right tackle is number one i will say i mean based on the way the the roster is right now interior defensive line is number two so i think that they should draft it over a corner like in in round one not necessarily i think you can build or sign better um, then just, oh, I'm just going to take Jordan Davis at 17. So I, but I still think because they don't have Joseph, because they don't have Jones, Tillery's a shrug. So I'll go right tackle, interior defensive line, and then slot corner just or just slash corner, depending on what you do with Asante Samuel Jr. I'll go interior defensive line number one, um, just based on the guys that they currently have on the roster and who their pending free agents are. Um, and, you know, that will be a you know the most critical step to potentially solving the run defense is getting those interior defensive linemen um i will say number two is probably right tackle um it just i mean they need someone that's not named storm norton or trey pipkins there uh i have watched enough tape of uh max crosby just murdering storm norton play after play (laughs) uh and everyone looked like some kind of variation of holding uh, it, it was not pretty. So I, they definitely need a more long-term guy going forward. And if you want to get one in free agency or, you know, you want to trade for one or do something crazy, you do have the cap room that you are free from the uh, Brian Balaga cut. So we'll see what they decide to do with right tackle. Uh, and then three, I'll say cornerback. Um, I think that like Tyler said, it's, it's important that they have more of those guys who can take the ball away and I just think that 2022 or 2021, I should say, revealed the Chargers to kind of be on shaky ground. Like Michael Davis is serviceable, but he's not really the bona fide CB1 that maybe 2020 showed that he was on the trajectory to be. Um, and you're losing Chris Harris, obviously, which is a body that you have to replace there. Um, and Asante uh, sort of 
you know, had his injury struggles this year. So I think getting more depth there at cornerback, potentially getting your bona fide CB one in the draft or just getting a quarterback in free agency, I think would be so helpful for this team going forward. Yeah. That's another one, like very similarly to Kaiser white, right? Like you have two corners in Michael Davis and Asante Samuel that I think are probably high in number twos at, at their very best. So I don't know, moving Asante Samuel jr. To the slot, keeping him outside signing. I think that's another very interesting storyline. Um, right now, I think defensive line has to be number one, uh, just because, like Alex said, we they don't really have anybody right now. Uh, everybody's scheduled to be a free agent. So um, I agree with Alex's list. I think it's defensive line one, right tackle second, uh, corner three. That being said, if they head into the draft with defensive line still being their biggest need, I think we have a problem of uh, evaluating how to sign free agents. So um, I know everybody's excited about Jordan Davis right now. I think they th- this team needs to solve the defensive line in free agency as soon as possible. Uh, but that's just my thing. I think the draft is better spent, spent elsewhere. Um, but yeah, defensive line and free agency, please. Yeah, I would not feel super comfortable with them. Like, oh, we don't have a nose tackle. We'll figure it out in the draft. Okay, yeah. so what you're telling me is you're going to reach on a nose tackle at some point. And I mean, listen, maybe that's their only remaining need after free agency, but I highly doubt that. So I, I like, really hope we don't. And like, what happens if somebody takes Jordan Davis at like 13? Like, <laughs> Is there another one? Is there another <laughs> nose tackle? I don't know, actually. I know. We just have to clone him. And if we clone him, then there's two of them. <laughs> I think Jordan Davis would be a fantastic addition. Just I don't think it's the first round addition that I'm willing to make right now. Um, but I think this team, with the amount of resources they have on free agency, I think they can solve the defensive line in free agency, and you know, figure out what kind of positions you want to take in the draft. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's the list: defensive line, right tackle, free agency. Um, all right, hour and fifteen minutes. Alex, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out for the night? Tomorrow, that Braden Fajoko interview breakdown is going to drop. Please check it out. Like It's so great. You're going to learn something. There's funny stories in there. There's a great film breakdown. How often do you get to hear a Chargers player break down film uh, in such an environment like this? So go check it out tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it was fun to be on the show again after the last two weeks. Uh, I think we all retreated into our darkest caves. Tyler didn't shave. Uh, Steven, I mean, he got a new light, but, you know, uh, we all look a little rough around the edges right now. Uh, so, you know, I think... I, I think take offense to that. <laughs> I mean, you're the one who said you didn't shave like an hour ago. But anyway, uh, no, I think we're all back uh, and we're happy to be covering the Chargers offseason. And we hope you guys stick with us because we think it is going to be a fun ride. Yeah, I know a lot of people listening right now have uh, just started listening to us recently during the season. Uh, I am still a draft nerd at heart. I love the draft so, so much. And so I'm really excited to get into this. 
Uh, I'm telling myself now that I won't grade 250 players again. But... Yes, you will. <laughs> you, you know that's bullshit. You're gonna. We're gonna have the to real do a question whole... is: Does Steven grade 250 right tackles? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are there even grade... that many? Are there 250 tackles to grade? You would find a way. Steven's gonna find like some offensive yeah, guard Sioux Falls from... State. Yeah, yeah for... <laughs> oh, no, some like international dude from Germany, and be like, guys, you need to watch this in like the seventh round. He maybe he's the guy. And, yeah. Oh, uh, you know what I can do is I can include the USFL guys. There we go. There's the, there there's you the go. Why not? <laughs> Let's see if that league lasts a month first. <laughs> Very true. Very true. But uh, excited nonetheless to cover the draft free agency. Uh, Want to give a shout out really quickly before the end to Envy Talent and Terrence Bowers who sent us some super stickers uh, during the show. So, um. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I, I can't wait to dive into things. Obviously, I wish this, the Chargers were still playing. Um, but, you know, the draft free agency, it's going to be fun. Uh, we, we, we will be going live every Sunday and Wednesday now. Uh, that's kind of going to be our schedule. Um, we're going to have a bunch of interviews, hopefully, uh, including some other current Chargers. Hopefully, some prospects will join us. Uh, and then, obviously, some draft analysts and things like that. So, lots of exciting stuff to uh come forward for sure like i said earlier please leave us a rating or review subscribe to the channel on youtube leave us a comment and be sure to like the video that's going to do it for us we'll see you guys on sunday it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.